Good morning. If you have a Bible, please find in yours Revelation chapter 8, the 8th chapter in the Revelation. Last week, I challenged all of us, wherever possible, to make it a new habit to attend our Wednesday virtual prayer meeting. And verse 3 is only one reason why we should. Notice as I read Revelation 8, verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. You will notice the prayers of all the saints. Do you know when we all pray? The answer to that question is the same answer for why all the saints prayed in verse 3. Life on earth during the tribulation will drive every believer to their knees. I wonder if you have noticed what I have noticed. We all pray when life hurts, a job loss, a sick loved one, a family member who refuses to repent and believe the truth. We all pray. This morning's lesson will give all of us reason to pray. Jesus, in Matthew 24 and 21, when speaking of the Great Tribulation, wrote, For then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Someone has captured the meaning of such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now with these words. Take the horror of every war since time began. Throw in every natural disaster in recorded history and cast off all restraints so that the unspeakable cruelty and hatred and injustice of man towards his fellow men can fully mature and compress all of it into a period of seven years. Even if you can imagine such a horror, it wouldn't approach the mind-boggling terror and turmoil of the tribulation. Let me just say, after chapter 4 in this book, when the church is no longer on earth because she has been raptured to heaven, all the way to chapter 19, when Jesus returns to this earth, are some of the most depressing chapters in all of the Bible. You might ask, why then are you teaching on such depressing chapters? I must remind us this book called The Revelation was written exclusively to the seven churches. And we now know what was written to them was written to us. This book called The Revelation was written to seven churches who will never experience the tribulation. They will never see the tribulation. They will never enter the tribulation. And here's why the church must brace itself for what they're about to learn. The message of scripture from chapter 6 through 19 to the church concerning the tribulation period is simply this. Preach to the world around you. Flee from the wrath to come. Flee from the tribulation by making sure you are rapture ready. Jesus Christ's wrath is so severe, 
It is described this way in Revelation 6 and 16. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They would rather be buried beneath stones than to incur one more day of his wrath. Do you know what we ought to be saying to the world around us? How about what John the Baptist said in his day in Matthew 3, 7, and 8? He asked, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He then said, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, for those of you who have been with me during the seven seals towards the beginning of the tribulation in chapter 6, I have bad news for us. The seven trumpets, which bring us more towards the midpoint of the tribulation in chapter 8, are far worse. I'd like you to begin with me to look at the seven trumpets. We'll move our way quickly through them because I have one major point to make. In Revelation 8 and 7 is the first trumpet. The first sounded and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The first trumpet parallels the seventh plague that came on Egypt in Exodus 9 when Pharaoh would not let the Jewish people go. The seventh plague was hail, and the great hail destroyed the crops and the agriculture of the Egyptians. The second of the seven trumpets can be found by reading verse 8. Notice in verse 8, the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. The third trumpet, or the second trumpet, parallels uh, the first, in that in Exodus chapter 7, the first plague, the Nile River, turned into blood, which brings us to the third trumpet. And it also parallels the first plague. Notice verses 10 and 11. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of the water, the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. The Nile River, when it was turned to water, or to blood rather, affected the drinking water. The fourth trumpet, notice as I read verse 12, the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened. And the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. The fourth trumpet is very similar to Exodus 10, where the ninth plague that came on Egypt was thick darkness over the whole land. And we need chapter 9, verses 1 and 3, to make, make our way to the fifth trumpet. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now watch this verse three. And out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. The eighth plague in Egypt, God sent locusts to Egypt. Now, why did I take us through the first five of the seven trumpets so quickly? Well, I wonder if you could see what I do. 
Last week, we learned from Revelation chapter 12, there is a woman in this book, and the woman is a metaphor for Israel, and war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels defeated the devil and his. Zechariah tells us during the tribulation, all the nations come against Israel. And notice, God is sending many of the same plagues to the world that he did to Egypt. I wonder if you're beginning to notice what I am. Here's what I'm noticing, Zechariah 2 and 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, After glory he has sent me against the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Genesis 12 and 3, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. The judgment on the world is because of what the world is doing to Israel. It's no coincidence that five of the first seven trumpet judgments mirror the very plagues that God sent on Pharaoh in Egypt when they were affecting the Israelites' freedom. The judgment intensifies. Notice chapter 9, verses 13 through 15, and you'll see why I say it now intensifies. Then the sixth angel sounded, that is the sixth trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and year were released, and watch this, so that they would kill a third of mankind. A third of mankind was killed in Revelation chapter 9. Now, why do I say the judgment is intensifying? Here's why. Back in Revelation 6 and 8, we learned a fourth of the earth was killed. If we were to simply use today's numbers of 8 billion people in the world, one-fourth means 2 billion people die in Revelation 6. That leaves 6 billion alive. And now Revelation 9 is telling us a third of that 6 billion will die. A third of 6 billion is another 2 billion people that die at the midway point of the tribulation. You know what that means? That means half the world is dead. Remember when I said John the Baptist teaches us to preach, flee from the wrath to come by bearing fruit in keeping with repentance? Notice why I shared those thoughts early on as I read verses 20 and 21 of Revelation 9. The rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as to not worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. This past week, I was listening to a call-in show on Moody Radio. Guest pastor was taking questions. One of the questions was, how do you witness to a gay person? He said, it's not my job to talk about being gay. It's my job to tell people Christ accepts them the way they are. Do you know what that pastor has done that many in our day are doing? They're removing repentance from the gospel. 
Repentance defined by chapter 9 is they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immoralities, nor of their thefts. That is, they did not change their mind about right and wrong, wrong and right. And do you know why? Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ever wonder why they're called trumpet judgments? Why? Isaiah 58 and 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Joel 2 and 1, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Now listen, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, and it is this morning. Jesus Christ's second coming is right at hand, right at the door. And the day of the Lord is all about what these chapters in chapters 6 through 19 preface. But did you notice the trumpet in Isaiah 58 and Joel 2 is inextricably linked to sin? Why does God employ seven trumpet judgments? Repentance, sin. Do you know what I find unimaginable? about verses 20 and 21. After three and a half years of suffering and death, half the world's population has died. After hearing the alarming statistics on CNN and Fox, the survivors still refuse to repent. And I think I know why. And we need the seventh trumpet to know the answer. So turn to chapter 11 and allow me to read Revelation 11, verses 15 through the beginning of verse 18. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun the reign. Now watch this. And the nations were enraged. The nations were enraged. Why are they enraged? Because the God of this book called the Bible refuses to allow man to call good evil and evil good. God refuses to allow man to live in his sin without repentance. If you've ever noticed what I have noticed, whenever you're witnessing to a sinner and you bring up the subject of repentance and what repentance means, they become enraged at the thought that you would dare say what they do is wrong. So what has the church begun to do? Well, they remove repentance from the gospel. They just reduce the gospel down to God loves you. Just accept this free gift of grace. And you know, that's true. He does love us. And salvation is by grace. But that is only half true. And where I come from, a half a truth is a whole lie. We now know the primary reason for the great tribulation is the nation of Israel. Not only to cleanse her, but to save her, to judge her. This is why the book of Jeremiah names this period the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob's name was 
change to Israel. And this is why the woman in Revelation 12 is likened to the sun, the moon, and the stars, the very dream that Joseph had. had. The sun is Jacob, and the moon is Rachel, and the 12 sons, the 12 stars are the 12 sons of Jacob. I don't believe for one minute it is a coincidence that the plagues pour out, poured out on Egypt are now much of the same plagues that are being poured out on the world. But I see other reasons for the tribulation. I believe one of the reasons for the great tribulation is to shake man from his false sense of security. Speaking of the tribulation, Paul wrote about this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. Jesus virtually said the same thing when speaking about the tribulation in Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Man lives for his pleasures. All I hear during this coronavirus is how great the economy was and how all of a sudden this virus came. We ought to be telling people, if you think this is bad, flee from the wrath to come. I see another reason for the great tribulation. God intends to force mankind to choose between Christ and Antichrist. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the series, the Left Behind series, but I am of the opinion this series is going to leave many people behind. During this seven-year period of time, there will be countless, innumerable amounts of people who are going to come to faith, primarily of Gentiles and also Jewish people. And I believe the series, because of this, has created a false hope that those who reject the gospel now will get saved during the tribulation, and they base this on the innumerable amount in Revelation 7. It's a dangerous belief, and here's why. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Today is the day of salvation. The author of Hebrews chapter 13 and 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Many Bible teachers, of which I am one, believes it will only be those who have never heard the one true gospel during the church age. And, and the one true gospel is not simply trust Jesus or accept Jesus or pray a prayer or believe Jesus. And that's all true. But the missing piece in gospel preaching that's been going on for over a century is where is repent? We don't hear repent in the gospel. And this is why I believe many who enter the tribulation will be saved and will not fall under this category. What category? Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. 
They did not believe the truth during the church age. They're going to enter the tribulation. And God is going to send a deluding influence on them to believe what is false. Because they took pleasure in wickedness. Do you know who takes pleasure in wickedness? Those who refuse to repent. There will be great pressure to believe a lie, to receive the mark of the beast. And that is why, just as our emphasis in preaching the gospel during this age of grace, during the church age, is today, today is the day of salvation, we should not be holding out hope for ourselves or for anyone that when the rapture comes or the tribulation comes, they'll be saved anyway. See, I just gave us reason to come every Wednesday and pray. We have a crisis in the country. Number one, half a gospel. Number two, people who think they are saved who are not saved. Why did I undertake the work of taking us, our church, through this book, the book of the Revelation? Well, here's why. Who in their right mind would want to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? Who in their right mind would want their loved ones to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? Who would want anyone to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? And may I ask, who is going to take the message of Scripture from these tribulation chapters to the church to preach to the world, flee from the wrath to come, flee from the tribulation to come. So repent and be saved today, for today is the day of salvation. If the church is not teaching about the great tribulation. I pray that as you join me in making your way through this book, albeit many of the chapters are depressing, frightening, horrific, that you will not shy away from learning with me, that you would indeed learn with me, that you would have impressed upon your heart the need to be energized for the gospel because you don't want anyone to enter this period. You want people rapture ready, and the key to being rapture ready from what we learn from John the Baptist Revelation 9 is repent and believe the gospel.